0: One big part of our role has been sort of the medicines titration work, especially for people with with, uh, with heart failure. I was made a, a pharmacist partner in the practice in twenty in the end of, at the end of 2017. This is why I think it's important that pharmacists be pharmacists and offer that sort of different insight, that extra level of expertise when it comes to medicines taking. It always looks good when someone's done a bit of research about where they're applying for you can understand some of the some of the pressures that general practice is under, some of the opportunities as well.
1: Welcome to the third episode of The Pod. So today we have Paul, who is a practice pharmacist for St. Oslo Healthcare down in Cornwall, to talk a little bit about his work in a general practice. So those close to him know that he's an avid runner, a biker, and should I say a star chaser? Star chaser,
0: yeah. A bit of sort of astronomy on the side, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Take a few take a few pictures now and again. It's been something I've been doing for a while. I mean, it's it, like anything. I mean, you, you, you start off, you learn different things. How to do things better, and 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 the photos get better and better. And you know, it's it's even now, you know, I can take raw data that I took sort of six, seven years ago and process it differently, so you get a much better result. So you know, it's it, it's it's uh, a it's something you can do um, in in the evenings. You just set it up, set it going, and come in and do other things. And uh, you know, when it's finished doing what it's doing, you've got the raw data there, and you can then spend some time um sometimes just as much time as taking the images you know you can spend processing them so you know it's uh yeah, it's, it's it's something that it's something i enjoy doing when the weather
1: behaves itself <laughs> yeah i gotta take advantage of it honestly they're they, they look o- honestly fantastic like you look at the stars and you're like oh it's great and then you look at your images you're like oh my god <laughs> it's stars behind the stars oh my god um but yeah obviously um this this episode is about um, you know, you as a practice pharmacist um, in a general practice. Um, so I think if you kind of explain to you know our listeners about, you know, how you kind of got to where you are at the moment, um, obviously knowing that you're a, a partner of the general practice, um, just maybe mention a bit about your um, kind of accolades that you've had over the years and kind of where you started and how you got to where you are.
0: Yeah, I could, yeah. Um, I mean, it was it, funny. I, I was sort of thinking about this, and, it, and I was just looking at the dates, and it was like, wow, I've been registered twenty-one years. Um, you know, this 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 month actually. So, um, it's. I, I started off in. I, I qualified in nineteen ninety nine and, and uh, continued to work in a community pharmacy uh, as a second pharmacist there with my, uh, who was then my uh, pre-registration tutor at the time. Um, and then several years later, I was offered a uh, branch manager pharmacist position at, a, at another local pharmacy, which I, I, I stayed at until 2007, when I was offered a job at what was then Cornwall and a silly primary care trust as a community pharmacy projects manager. Um, and that role uh, continued, and I, I, I took on a full-time position of a pharmaceutical advisor and that was that involves supporting the uh, prescribing team with not just the community pharmacy locally accredited services training and provision um, but also starting to get into more prescribing and practice support work and as that role sort of progressed I took on more more sort of uh, you know interesting bits of work uh, which really included more medicines optimization activities, practice support data analysis, and looking at sort of budgetary spend at practice and uh, PCT level um, and one, one thing I also enjoyed doing um, you know it was fairly intense at time was the individual funding requests. so I sat on the special cases panel and uh, offered sort of uh, pharmaceutical advice to to individual funding requests. Um, and that was a really you know you really felt like you were making difference to to, to, to people 's lives with that um, big part of the role as well which um, I was quite pleased over at the time was I, I developed to maintain the the, the pharmaceutical needs assessment for commonity which was a it was a major project at the time it was a, one of those must dos and you know we, we if we 're going to do something we want to do it really well and what was really good is we, we we put it all together and it actually got some nat- national recognition as a really as a really good practice. So I was quite pleased with that. Um, and then I, I continued in a, in a similar role until the Primary Care Trust became the um, Curnow Clinical Commissioning Group in in, in 2013. And you know the, there was a rejig of the team, if you like, and I took on more practice support for. Uh, surgeries in the in the east of the county, and you know this is one of the major advantages of the of, of the primary care work at the time was that you got to travel across Cornwall. And I mean, as we know, it's a it's a beautiful part of the part of the country. And um, you know, I'd, I'd never seen so much of Cornwall as I had in this role, which is quite amazing. So um, you know, and it even included a couple of trips over to the Isles of Scilly to to, to go and visit and support the practice over there. So it's it quite fortunate we had good weather m- both days. Uh, you know, one one time was a trip by a helicopter and the second time was uh was a flight out of Nuki. So it was uh, it, it was it was a great experience and um you know, I, I, I really enjoyed that role and um but 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 going alongside that, I'd always maintained a bit of an interest in in, in Parkinson's disease management and this was following a a community pharmacy uh project back in two thousand and five. And in conjunction with the, with, the, with the local specialist team, I started doing some uh, pharmacist-led outpatient clinics at Sanosta Hospital, which uh, went on uh, for about five years, um, actually, where we were seeing people. I was sort of seeing people in rotation with the, uh, the specialist uh, consultants and the Parkinson's nurse specialist and it was it was a great way to sort of provide that extra little bit of medicine support. Um, and the the primary care role, to, you know, teaches you about sort of commissioning and everything, doing, at, doing it at population levels. But this piece of work really gave me a really good insight into individual patients and being able to balance that with um, the, 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 the sort of higher level pieces of work as well. So I, it gave me like a, a really good Uh, level of experience in those sort of face-to-face consultations. Um, And uh, in in, in 2012, I gained my prescribing qualification. So that gave me an extra little bit of uh, an extra ability to be able to initiate medicines for people in the clinic and just use your skills in a a little bit of a different way. And for, for me, it really highlighted that People, Many people who have, you know, there are, there are significant polypharmacy issues out there and people don't tend to have struggle with just one thing. You know, people have multiple long-term conditions and, you know, generally requiring multiple medicines. And it, it really highlights to me the need for, for, for really good patient support. Um, and I think that's where my interest in, in sort of polypharmacy and, you know, really good medicines management uh, stems from. Because um, you see it firsthand, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's something that I've been quite passionate about helping people with over the years. So, um, but that was good. And then in 2015, um, I was offered a post at SunnOster Healthcare, um, and that's when the three, three you know them well uh, three practices merged to form a new large practice and to pick up over 8,000 patients from a, another practice that unfortunately had failed um, and uh, gone under. And, uh, you know, a lot of these patients had, uh, the, you know, the level of care had dropped off over a period of time. And there was a, you know, there was a significant piece of work needed to to try and, you know, make things safe and, and improve the, the processes that were there. And uh, my role was really to put in place and support putting in place those safe Prescribing practices, and you know, develop uh, and and improve the you know the the repeat dispensing processes as all the practice data and all the patients, you know, thirty one thousand of them was was merged onto System One. Um, Also, it was a it was a good opportunity to uh, you know to provide a little bit of continuity and as a a link for our community pharmacy colleagues because this was a huge period of change and. It was uh, it was a it was a big responsibility to, to come on board and try to support the healthcare professionals within the practice at the time and also to try and support patients with a bit of continuity through those changes. So it was um it was a it was a it was a busy time. And uh you think we started off with just me and three prescription clerks and now we've grown to three pharmacists, a technician and five prescription clerks. It's you know, we've all taken on slightly different ways of doing things. And you, you know yourself from being there, it's, uh, we're always trying to do things better. Um, you know, it's definitely, definitely things we can do better. And it's just, um, you know, just a gradual pro- process of evolution, isn't it? And I think part of that and, and the sort of work I was doing over the next couple of years up to about 2017, um, I, I, the practice, I think the practice recognized my input. Uh, which was nice, and they offered me a partnership, and I was made a, a, a pharmacist partner in the practice in twenty in the end of, at the end of twenty seventeen, and uh, and that was great. I mean, I, I you know it was something it was something I I couldn't refuse really. I mean, it was a really good opportunity for to to, to, to sort of fly the flag for, for for pharmacists and say, look, you know, we can, you know, we can get there, and you you can be recognised for the for, for the work you do um and that's great because it gives me a you know it means i 've got a bit of a say in how the practice is run and uh you know a bit more sort of oversight and working on the same level as the g p s when it comes to planning so that's uh it's 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 been good and that's where i 've been ever since so you know it's uh it's a good achievement i was quite i was quite pleased with that
1: yeah first like firstly congratulations for your career and um I remember actually asking you this um a similar question. When we were on our thirteen-week review, and on on the ride back, I think, and it was it was like honestly eye-opening to me that you know you a pharmacist can do all these things, um, including you know what we do on a daily basis, um, before COVID hit, you know those um, face-to-face consultations um, with patients, and what kind of impact we can have, um, just managing their medications, and you know when when they come to f- those face-to-face consultations, most of them. I feel like most of them leave quite happy with what we've given them as an intervention, so
0: it is uh, yeah I think it's important to um you know it's it's important that you do listen to the patient's story you know it's important that you do um, listen to what they're coming in with and listen to those little sometimes those little subtle cues in the consultation um that the sort of steers towards what the patient wants to discuss, and I mean you know. <laughs> one thing we always talked about you know when you were doing your pre-reg with us what that you don't really achieve anything without developing patient rapport and you know you 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 get that ticked off learn to understand a little bit of the patient's story a bit of background you know and um, then you can start to work with people Um, and, and that's what it's all about and I think over the years, I think what's what's worked well is, I mean, I've always I've always had the good fortune of working with with some good teams and, you know, worked with some really amazing people. And even now, I mean, the, you know, the, the team I've got is is incredible, and they all go over and above, um, you know, what's what's sort of required of them. But you know, I've been fortunate. That's been the case all throughout my career, really, and I've been luckily given those opportunities to be able to sort of develop my skills and and sort of expertise um so but you've got but you've got to look for the opportunities you've got to be prepared to t- take a few chances and you know there have been things that we've done that haven't worked out so well and there's equally there's been luckily well, luckily there's been more things we've done that have turned out quite well and um you know but that's that's life isn't it you know you just have to um, look for the opportunities yeah absolutely
1: yeah and i think something special about Sanosel Healthcare is you know as the lead pharmacist there i think you've fostered a really good working environment for all of us um i think and, and it's really easy to work under your supervision and guidance because you're always quite like you're always approachable like for us anyway we can easily go up to you and ask you a few, um different questions and you know you're quite you're, you're very patient answering these kind of questions um and it, it was just really easy to work there and i think it's quite it's quite special, I think, because not a lot of teams or kind of um, uh, groups out there have that kind of work environment that, you know, you actually go to work thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're a bunch of really good colleagues. Um, we look out for each other and it's just a good inv- working environment.
0: I think if, you, if everything clicks, yeah, if everything clicks, it works really well. And, um, you know, we, we try to foster that sort of atmosphere of, of trust and shared workload and but but it's equally important if things aren't right to, to deal with them there and then you you must let things just just to simmer and um you know the, the the team has been really good working together and and not just that i mean there's you know the whole organization really really sort of pulls together which is great you know even especially given the size of it you know it can be a, quite a challenge sometimes um but um it's, it's great to work in that environment and it's great to work as part of that team. And uh, that's, uh, gives you the motivation to keep going in, you know?
1: And it was, it was great because, you know, for, for me as a, as a person that never had any general practice pharmacy experience, like I would go in there not knowing anything and I'd come out and think, you know, I've learned so much during my pre-registration year um, because, you know, I've made, tons and tons of mistakes during my time there
0: that's the way we, but that's the way you learn isn't it and i mean you know you, we, we all learn by making mistakes and you, even now there are things you do and you think oh god i could have done that better or could have done it a different way and, you know but that but that's that's part of the process isn't it and, and you know yourself i mean it's 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 hard work um and the reason it's such a good learning environment is because it's general practice i mean it's it, you never know what you're dealing with on a on a day-to-day basis, or an hour-by-hour basis, and you know, at any time where you're working through your your list of tasks, or you know, discharge summaries, or whatever, you know, there might be might be something that pops up that really requires your your, your prioritization, and um, you have to stop what you're doing and, and deal with that. And that happened. That's a fairly frequent occurrence, isn't it? And uh, you know, it, luckily, it's that kind of environment where you're going to get the opportunity to develop that 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 experience and skills. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, um, we'll, we'll, I might as well move on to the next question, um, which is obviously COVID has kind of affected it, but what kind of jobs do you do on a reg- regular day?
0: Yeah. I mean, COVID has sort of put a, you know, as, as we all know, it's limited the amount of face-to-face contact we can and probably should be having with people, but, but yeah, so there's the day-to-day uh, prescribing queries Um the uh, one uh, one big part of our role has been sort of the medicines titration work especially for people with on with uh with heart failure um you well know we we spend a lot of time uh you know increasing the doses of people's medicines and then arranging the necessary follow-up you know with the blood tests and blood pressures pulses and then further titration but and I think that's what, one of the things that's worked quite well is we're able to give that give the patient a little bit of continuity when it comes to um, changing their changing their medicines because they'll have been given a letter saying you know they must get from Ramipro one point two five all the way up, up to ten milligrams and not, we know not everyone gets there and you know the blood test you know may, may may sort of point out that we need to slow down a bit or even reduce doses but but all the while it, it, it works quite well because you're able to Uh, You know, to have a chat with a patient before each time, see how they're feeling, you know, and explain the rationale for what you're doing, go through any concerns they've got and and, and keep going with the plan. And, um, you know, and I think because of our input with that, I think more people are achieving target doses of these, of of, of the necessary medicines than if we weren't there, which is great. Um, The big, another big area um, is that of uh, opioid prescribing. And, you know, there's been a huge amount of focus in, in recent years on trying to reduce some of the massive doses that people uh, end up on just over the years. You know, the doses just go up, don't they? And, you know, there's a massive risk of all sorts of problems with these drugs. And, you know, and I think that's one of the areas where we have a little bit of an input um, in terms of just again just trying to go through the 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 possible risks with the patient of continuing on some of these drugs and looking for any opportunity we can to to try and reduce and, and part of it is as I say you, you can't do that without patient rapport I mean you have to understand the patient's story before you start something like that because otherwise you're just someone ringing them up and saying we're going to drop your drugs and then you don't get you don't get anywhere you know you you have to Spend a bit of time, find out how they've got to where they've got, find out what, they're, find out what their uh, ideas are, what their understanding is of their medicines. Do they have any problems? And try to find sort of a solution that works for an individual. And, um, you know, sometimes, yeah, you can reduce, sometimes you can't. Um, but at least in the latter case, you've had the opportunity to, you know, enable them to make a bit of an informed decision about what they're doing. And then it's about risk management. You know, it's about saying, OK, fine, let's not do anything now, but let's set a date for maybe three months time to have a look at it again. And, you know, if anything changes in the meantime, you, you say, look, we're on the end of the phone. Give us a ring if you've got concerns, because things happen all the time, don't they? You know, people's health changes or new symptoms appear or, you know, life life happens, doesn't it? And things change. So, you know, I think there's a, it, it's all about working with people um I, th- I think that's that's the secret to it really and you're going to win some you're going to lose some but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try and uh you know in this this sort of environment you do get plenty of opportunities <laughs> you know to to, to try, and make a, try and make a difference and uh yeah and, and and when you get someone you know from i mean i've had people who are on sort of 200 milligram oral morphine equivalents per day down to sort of a fraction of that great you know can we get them completely off? No, absolutely not. But, you know, we've reduced the risk and the patient understands their medicines a little bit better than when we started. And, you know, for me, that's the important thing. It's about making sure people have the ability to make informed decisions about their prescribing.
1: Yeah, we've had so many cases of, um, you know, patients changing their minds after a few phone calls from us, Actually, I think I remember a few cases where at first, when when, they, when we first bring them up, they're absolutely reluctant to take a certain medication, even after lengthy discussions about the benefits of them. And then in the end, we're like, well, we'll call you back in a few weeks. And then in a few weeks, they're like, oh, my God, I should, really should have started this medication or I'm ready to start this medication because, you know they may have experienced some sort of side effects of another drug, or actually their illness may have progressed and worsened their pre-existing symptoms. And yeah, I think that kind of impact is just so rewarding.
0: Yeah. And it's nice to be a bit proactive in healthcare, isn't it? You know, everyone is so snowed under with work and we, you know, we all operate in a very reactive sense, don't we? But sometimes it's nice to do a bit of proactive work, follow people up and, you know, and really sort of, I, I think people sometimes have one experience of of uh, of healthcare, and you know it, it means it either puts them off, or they they spoke to someone several years ago who was going to stop all their medicines, and it, it puts them off from from engaging. But um, you know, if you under, understand a little bit of what's gone on in the past, it just equips you a bit better to 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 try and manage things going forward.
1: Yeah, even a bit of proactivity can go a long way for the patients. I I I agree. Um so other than monitoring and following up on patients, what are the things you do on a daily basis?
0: We do uh, we I mean we process all the, the you know the discharge summary information, don't we? And that that involves sort of you know a fair amount of daily medicines reconciliation work, uh, updating discharge summaries and uh, but also maybe chopping and changing or initiating new medicines on the back of specialist recommendations and sometimes you know most cases yeah that's fine we do that some some cases will we'll even go back to the specialist and say "Mm, not sure about that because they're on this and you know come up with an alternative for them um and that's really demonstrates the you know the input of the pharmacist really because you know we can we can pick up on these things and um and and sort of go back and have those conversations and that might be with the with with the sort of consultant or we might you know get in touch with one of our colleagues pharmacist colleagues in the in the hospital who yeah. happens to be looking after that that specialist area just to see what uh, the sort of up-to-date thinking is um but uh, and we
1: also oh so go on
0: no i was, I was just going to say and that you know that's that 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 can take up quite a bit of time um but uh, you know it's it's all for the benefit of the patient at the end of the day and if you know, it just means the GP isn't trying to trying to take time out of their busy days as well, trying to sort these things out. I mean, there's a, there's a huge focus at the moment on on sort of uh, long term condition review and that. You know, and part of that, you know, we maintain quite a close link with other colleagues within the practice. You know, especially the nursing team because you know they, we have specialist nurses who deal with sort of you know the diabetes, the respiratory, and very often we have, we have conversations with them about how best to manage patients and you know what treatment options there may be and what might go with existing therapies that the patient's on because as we said it's not you know it's not always the case that people just have one long-term condition they have several and uh, you know what what goes with what goes with other medicines when someone's already on 12-15 repeats it's uh, you know it's uh, sometimes you have to really have to look into it and uh, think of the the implications of adding in yet another medication and what's the what are the increment, incremental benefits and risks to to, to doing that? The, the key thing is as well, I mean, we, we provide, I think we provide, a, you know, a more accessible contact for queries from from our pharmacies and other healthcare professionals as well. I mean, dedicated team.
1: Definitely. I was going to touch on that.
0: Yeah. And people, you know, we, we're in a team where people who have worked in community pharmacy. So we understand the kind of queries they've got and very often the queries are very genuine and um, we have to go back to the original prescriber and say, you didn't, you didn't mean that, did you? You know, you didn't want that. No, I wanted to go for something else. Uh, so, you know, and, it, and that may be something just it's something like they've picked up an interaction with a, with an antibiotic that's been prescribed and we can just go and recommend something else for them. Again, that's, I think that's a really good bonus of having the, the, the sort of team that we have to, to provide that, that contact.
1: And I think we all work so coherently and like um as a team. I think because obviously in during practice, well, during my time in there anyway, um, we were so accessible to all the other health professionals, and our, we also work with our special team of social prescribing, um, here, and that's I think that's quite a special again, it's another kind of unique thing. So in also healthcare is kind of pioneered, um, in our area at least. Um, and you know we work closely with them and we really can use that team to help us um, do deliveries um, of medications and and so on and so forth to help the patient get the most benefit from them, especially in COVID, to be honest. Um,
0: well, especially, especially in COVID, absolutely, because I mean, people have been, you know, a lot of high risk people have been shielding and unable to get their medicines and really working with our social prescribing team, you know, to try and to try and help support some of these patients has been really good. And, And and social prescribing, you know, it's, it's, it's nationally recognized as certainly the way forward. And, uh, you know, it's a way of trying to demedicalize some of the issues people have, try to acknowledge that many of the problems maybe, you know, may have a a, a social reason behind them. And it's not just about popping a pill, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, it's about life, lifestyle change. And, you know, there's been some really good work. Done in this area, and you know, we've got a fortunately, yeah, the practice has got a great social prescribing team as well who can facilitate some of
1: that. Yeah. And obviously that the the Duchess of Cornwall um have has recently come to, to the practice.
0: Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, they, they came down as it a few weeks ago now, and um yeah, uh his Royal Highness uh as well. Uh so it was great for the practice to uh, to have that bit of uh, recognition um and uh yeah it was a great experience for everyone I, I think as far as the social prescribing goes as well it was a really good opportunity for them to see firsthand the the, the sort of work that's going on so it was uh it was good and we,
1: we and we also I think when I was uh at the practice um we also attended a lot of the events uh ran locally um and we had a lot of um you know communications and we liaised a lot with the um ccgs the other pharmacies um other other community pharmacies and other um general practices in cornwall um and uh, yeah and that's i guess that is part of our role is as well isn't it like
0: developing those sort of professional networks for you know for for sort of knowledge sharing good practice is always good um and uh yeah, it's it provides that extra little bit of peer support, doesn't it? Um, so, you know, that's quite handy to know. And you never know where you, you, may have, you know, if you've got a specific query, at least, you know, you know, if you can't answer it, you know, who might be able to. And that's that. it's great to be able to have those contacts in place.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think making and maintaining those network is just as important as our day to day job. Because I recall, you know, asking for some help with from the Colonel CCG and the Day Lewis Pharmacy next door to conduct like a public health campaign on self care a while back. I think in November last year, and I don't think we could have done, you know, have had as much of an impact to the people we've approached uh, if I took the campaign on alone. So speaking of our impact. On patient health um, are there one or two cases where you know you felt that you've made a significant difference to patients that were under your care
0: I mean if, if the out if, if the if if the output from that is a patient felt better about what they were taking or you know was a bit more comfortable or was was a lot happier you know as a result of our input um I mean there's, there's several, I mean there's, there's several examples I suppose where you know certainly with with heart failure patients um was one particular guy who had just got a new diagnosis this was only fairly recently he'd only just had a new diagnosis of heart failure he'd had his echocardiogram and you know he'd seen the specialist and he'd seen the specialist nurse and they'd all told him he needs to be doing this and doing that but no one had really explained to him what the problem was and um you know, when we had a conversation, you know, we just happened to touch on how this had affected his life. I mean, we said, you know, you, you're now on sort of four or five new medicines that you weren't on before, and you know, how are you finding this? And uh, yeah, he said, I, I found out my my my, my heart's only working twenty percent. So I said, what do you mean twenty percent? And he, and that was. Um, he'd obviously got a copy of his echocardiogram report which showed his ejection fraction of 20% so trying to sort of explain to him that you know it wasn't that his heart was only working at 20% it was um, trying to explain about how ejection fraction works and why he felt breathless and everything else and uh, and then explaining the rationale for each of the medicines, you know, that he was going to go on to. And I, I think after the conversation, I mean, I, I phoned him up several days later because I'd given him. I was aware I'd given him a huge amount of information to take on. And you know, he actually, when I spoke to him several days later, he said, you know, I, I really appreciated that because. It just put my mind at rest a bit. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm taking these drugs, um, and, I, and I certainly believe as part, you know, because of that, he's more likely to take them regularly and, you know, keep up with the with, with his follow up appointments. And, um, you know, so so that was a really good example. And there's been several where, you know, you you have to you've had a bit of opportunity to take the time to explain to people what's going on um because very often they're 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 in and out with the specialist or and, and and they've been told to do this and told to do that and not to do this when really there isn't really the time and that's no sort of um uh that's no disrespect to to any of my professional colleagues it's it's the nature of medicine isn't it and this is This is why I think it's important that pharmacists be pharmacists and offer that sort of different insight, that extra level of expertise when it comes to medicines taking. You know, for me, you apply if you apply the principles of, you know, good medicines optimization, you know, um, keep it evidence based, keep it safe, understand the patient's story and, and do that on a day to day basis. I mean, that's. That's key to it. I suppose another example, uh, we had a patient, actually, this is when I first started at Sonost Healthcare. We had, a, uh, we had a young patient in her mid-30s who'd got complex gastro issues and had for many years been using injectable opioids on prescription. Um, just developed into this, this, this really complex situation, having high doses of, of opioids that she was injecting herself. And we picked this up. Um, and for 12 months we visited this patient on, an, on a weekly basis because the risks of her doing this were just so great and just trying to, again, establish a little bit of a relationship with them to to understand what they were going through and the challenges they face, you know, and, and, and to, to, to see this, this patient, you know, just, just bed-bound, just piles and piles of sort of high-risk drugs, you know, where do you start? And it was really, you know, in conjunction with one of our GPs here, we sort of started visiting on a weekly basis. You know, we established links with her family and the specialist team who she was well known to. And uh, even the controlled drugs accountable officer at the time, you know, just to understand the, the the sort of challenges that we were likely to be facing. And she was, I mean, she was, um, she was supposed to be end of life several times. And in the end, I think she lived for uh, I think it was about 18 months after we, so we, I think, you know, we managed to have a bit of an impact in terms of trying to minimize risk to her over that time. We changed the way we prescribed. We, you know, endeavored to try and reduce doses. We weren't very successful, unfortunately, but, you know, we, we sort of emphasized the point of, you know, we need to try and keep things safe. And I I think she appreciated that, you know, and there were times you had to be really assertive. You had to be really, really strict. at times you say, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's 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 do that. Let's see if it makes life a bit easier for you. So that was that was a person who I I felt had quite a um it it was a it was a very difficult situation. Um but I think we managed it as best we can. Um and you know, there've been other patients on higher dose opiates who some of them will actually contact you and they'll say, Look, I, I really need some help. I'm really struggling with this, I do not want to be on these. And that's great. Other patients, it's just about planting the seed, isn't it? That there, are, there is some risk there and, you know, when they're ready um, to try and reduce, then we'll have the conversation and, and come up with a plan. And that is that can be quite successful, just doing that. You find out where they are on that cycle of change. And if they're not there, they're not there. Um, and if they are, we can provide them with um, that, that sort of specialist, sort of pharmacist input and a bit of continuity to... To try and um, to try and very gradually bring the doses down, and there's going to be hiccups along the way. There's going to be times where things aren't right, but you know you persevere with it. And sometimes I think in most cases we get a good outcome, and some cases we don't. But you know it's uh, it's 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 not an excuse not to do anything. Yeah. But uh, and and you, I mean you you yourself, you had it. You had experience of that. You know the practice. Just trust. Just following people up every couple of weeks. That's sometimes what it takes. To to achieve what you're trying to achieve, and if you manage to uh, if you manage to get to a point where the doses are reduced, uh, or the patients offer specific medication, the patient's happy with that. You know, you've 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 done something really good there, and um, uh that's that's all part of it, isn't it? It's about re- reducing yeah. risk, and that's what it's about.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we're going to move on to our next question. Uh, because we've talked a lot of uh, your professional uh, duties uh, as a practice pharmacist, um, but obviously knowing you um, as my tutor <laughs> uh, last year, I I I know I know you run a lot and you you have you spend a lot of time with your family um, and obviously as you mentioned you do a lot of astro imaging as well. Um, so you know as a practice pharmacist and you've kind of also mentioned that. You have a lot of partners' meetings um, going on in the background, even after work, um, just to keep you in the loop of what's going on, and you allowing yourself to have an input on the practices running. Um, how do you kind of balance everything out? Like that—that sounds hectic enough. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really important to have a good work-life balance. And um, there's going to be times where, you know, the, the, the role you're in, you know, is going to demand a little bit more of your time. And when that does, fine. Okay, you, you, you sort of fit it in. But it's important as well to recognize when you've got a bit of downtime and you should take yeah. a break. And for me, that's what works. And, yeah, the imaging sort of helps a bit. And the running... You know in this uh you know along the coast paths and running the events and stuff like that you know that that's great for taking your mind off it and um you know what better place than Cornwall and all the all the places we've got to go running around the coast and everything else and you've got to you've got to have those things um and you've got to find time to do them, but there are times when yeah' okay i've got to do this instead that's fine, you know, but you've got to be very careful about trying to really maintain a work life balance um because the work is continuous um, and, you know, it's up to you to try and be as efficient with your time as you possibly can, um, whilst all the time trying to trying to do things better. And that's the challenge for all of us, isn't it? You know, it's trying to improve patient care. And it's always one of those things that I really feel quite strongly about is trying to find ways of doing things better. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, work-life balance. Yeah. If, if you can get it, great. You know, if, you, if you're still working on it, keep going.
1: Definitely <laughs> still working on it. <laughs> um so i think there's just a few a few short questions um left so what kind of things would you as a tutor and a gp pharmacist kind of look for when you're recruiting newly qualified or experienced pharmacists
0: oh that's that's a tricky one um the only thing i think i think what would look really good it always looks good when someone's done a bit of research about where they're applying for you know um so you know, if, if someone is looking to apply to work in a GP practice, I think it'd be really good if they actually said something that, d- that demonstrates that they've done a little bit of work on it. Um, Not that they've worked in a GP practice before, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, demonstrating that you've got that little bit of interest um and something to demonstrate that you can understand some of the some of the pressures that general practice is under, some of the opportunities as well. Um, you know, because everyone gets very bogged down with the challenges. You know, there are plenty of opportunities there as well. So, someone I, I suppose who knows a little bit about what they're getting into, um, and acknowledgement of that, someone who's willing to sort of to sort of learn and put the hours in. Um, but um, on the whole, I think it's just. You know, if you're applying, if you're applying for a specific area, demonstrate that you know a little bit about that area that you're applying to. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think it. You know, it's it's really good to hear that from uh, yourself, and I'm sure other pharmacists would um, feel the same and think the same way. Because, um, and it's good to hear because you know, as a newly qualified, we always see these posts about PCN pharmacists, GP pharmacists, and they always say they have to have what. Minimum two years of experience in the general practice, and you're just like, I've never even had the chance of going in. Now this is the first time I'm 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 registering like my interest in these kind of roles. Like, does, does that I can't apply? and So you know, from by you saying that you know it gives us a lot of the uh, motivation to actually apply to these roles, even though they say they need like you know two years of experience. I,
0: th- I think yeah, and, and and I think it's always worth a conversation with whoever you're applying before you put the application in because. you know you you really need to uh, they they may have I mean every every PCN is a little bit different in terms of what they may want a pharmacist to do what they may expect a pharmacist to do and you know I think that uh, there is a there's always that ideal isn't there you know that people have a a few years sort of post-qualification experience but then you know, it's, uh, that's one of the rarities, isn't it? It's finding people who can fulfill those posts, but, but also the greater recognition that, you know, the, the, the PCN pharmacist role is a fairly new, still quite a new area of practice still, um, with lots of opportunities. And part of the challenge is if, if people do, you know, PCNs do take on pharmacists, what level of support is there? So they don't feel a bit overwhelmed, you know, I mean, I, I remember back to the first couple of years I was qualified and I think that this would be quite a daunting area of work because um, you're just about getting your head together <laughs> just get your head around some of the more basic stuff um, you know, let alone the whole sort of idea of uh, of, of managing risk you know, and uh, recognising that general practice isn't black and white uh, or medicine isn't black and white for, for that reason, is it? You know, it's, um, you know, there are many shades of grey and patients will come with all sorts of different challenges and um, sometimes you know i mean anything we do is fraught with risk i mean you know you and it, you know it's like take people on uh anticoagulants they may be on it for atrial fibrillation so they're at risk of stroke so we give them an anticoagulant but you need to discuss with them that there may be an increase in bleed risk but is that out you know, even that's outweighed by the uh, by the reduction in stroke risk. And that's for each individual patient to make that decision. Um, so, you know, it, it goes back to this whole idea of just becoming more comfortable talking to patients using sort of things like some of the uh, risk assessment tools. Uh, I like using the, uh, the SPARK tool uh, when we talk about anticoagulation, for atrial fibrillation. I, I like using the nice patient decision aids for, for statin and things like that. And and that can really provide you with some quantitative uh, information to to let patients make up their own mind about things. Um, You know, but you've got to have the confidence to do that with patients and use these tools in that kind of way. And that comes with experience and that comes with time. And, you know, um, I'd be lying if I say I was, uh, you know, uh, I, I couldn't do it better myself, you know. There's a huge demand for, for for experienced pharmacists to take on these primary care network posts. You know, even now, there's still a. Probably a bit of an unknown about what pharmacists can do. Um, there may be many PCNs who think I'm taking on a pharmacist, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, do we even know what they can do? Um, so it is a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Um, but part of the recruitment drive is trying to make sure that where. PCNs do take on um, maybe newly qualified uh, pharmacists. You know, um, there's at least a a good support network or mentorship network nearby as well. And that's something we're trying to, we're looking into putting in place uh, just to try to to attract people into Cornwall. You know, it is a fantastic place to live and work. And um, there are enough, I think, experienced pharmacists around in those roles you know, be it GP practices, be it hospital, uh and primary care, you know, and, and, and community pharmacy. There's enough senior pharmacists around who can you know, offer that little bit of support for people. Um but yeah, it's uh so, sometimes you 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 do have to recruit less experienced people, um, and just make sure you continue to offer them that, that mentorship and support to, to develop, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, sounds good. Um, that, I think that is the that is the last question um, I had on the podcast. So, you know, thank you so much, Paul, for uh, coming on. Um, and no problem. No problem. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's been a pleasure to catch up too, <laughs> and see how.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you in uh, Snosle again soon.
1: <laughs> you will. You will. Oh man. Um, and yeah, I think that 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 kind of concludes our. Uh, episode and you know so thank you everyone for listening to uh, this episode and we'll see you on the next one thank you and don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel on spotify apple Podcasts, and soundcloud for any updates be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook or email me via the prn podcast at gmail.com with any comments thoughts or suggestions for future episodes that's all for now but don't forget to tune in anytime anywhere when required See ya!